Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Rent Money College Championship Week in College Football. It's been a hell of a season. Uh, we're due for some great games coming up here this weekend that have major stakes in the college football playoffs. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at those games, uh, talking about Bama-Auburn from last week, maybe Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, could do a quick update on the transfer portal as that starts to go into full swing. Uh, as Caps, you know, has a lot of Texas A&M friends. We're going to get a, a quick quick just thought about the, the hiring and unhiring of, of Mike Stoops and then uh, Elko uh, from Duke ending up being the, you know, the coach that gets hired there. But uh, before we get to all of that, uh, a couple of announcements first. Spotify Raps just came out. Uh, Apple has, you know, I think a similar thing as well. I just want to give a shout out to all of the listeners out there. Uh, it makes me appreciative that more than just like two people uh, listen to what Caption I have to say. And so uh, it's a little bit humbling to see some of those numbers get back to us uh, that, you know, there are people that tune in week in, week out. We're going to keep churning this out for you. Uh, it's not always easy for us to record. You know, we're busy people with different lives, different schedules. Uh, but we do try and carve out time every week, no matter what. Uh, to give you the people uh, rent money week in, week out. So shout out to everyone out there listening. Uh, if you do like what you're hearing and, and are a repeat listener, go ahead and do us a big favor uh, and share that with a friend, um, a coworker, uh, spread the word, uh, let them know what we're doing over here, and then tell your bookie we say hi as well. Uh, and then next is Movember. Uh, it's now November 30th. And by the time you hear this, it might be December 1st. We'll see. But... It's the last day of November. Uh, you know, we've been hyping it up throughout the, the course of this month. Uh, it's an important cause, uh, one surrounding mental health, uh, awareness for men, uh, as long as physical health, too. Uh, men are often more likely uh, to ignore the signs of both, uh, internalize that shit. Uh, so, you know, as we kind of move into the, the winter months uh, when, you know, depression and mental illness kind of increases as, you know, the sunlight goes down, uh, people are more restricted to their homes, uh, reach out to a friend. Uh, let them know you're thinking about them. Uh, think about consider consider donating to Adam's fundraiser, his charity he has going on. Adam, why don't you drop the, the name for that and, and tell them where maybe they can donate. And then we're also going to talk about a little a little special thing we have planned for, for the end of Movember here later in the episode. Yeah, man. Uh, Movember. What a world. Uh, it's crazy that today is the last day. But, uh, folks, I tell you what. You can go over to uh, the Team JV Forever page. That link is currently posted in my Instagram story. Uh, it's also in my bio, Old Chisholm 77. Uh, otherwise, do me a favor and, and go ahead and just look us up on the Movember site, whether it's you know through our team or through a different team. Every appreciation uh, – or sorry, every donation is appreciated. But past that point um, – there's a lot that you can do that doesn't require donations. How about, you know, just uh, listening every once in a while instead of speaking? How about when, uh, you know, when, when your roommate gets home from work, have a, have a beer in the fridge ready to go. Uh, your boyfriend, your father, your brother, somebody, buy him a beer. Uh, ship them ship them some, some crumble cookies Omaha steaks that funny you mention it Jack I uh, just got a fat shipment of Omaha steaks uh, that has been a birthday gift from my mm. mother for the past I want to say four or five years now and it hits every that time that keeps on giving amen to that Clark 
Is it as good though as Johnny Meats Meats? International Meats Top Butcher, best cuts in town. Uh, International Meats. I've been hearing good things. They'll ship international. Actually, we we found out the other day. Uh, But if you're also looking for just a great deal for lunch, uh, check out Top Butcher over in the the meatpacking district of Chicago. Uh, They also have their very own guy, Fieri, there. Uh, So it could be a little bit of a a sightseeing trip as well as a a one surrounded by eating and um, just letting those taste buds breathe. That's just a good time. So at the end of this episode, you know, we're going to go through our picks. Adam's the heavy muscle today. What's new? Uh, but we're going to put together a $50 parlay uh, in the name of Movember. If it hits all the money, it gets proceeded and donated uh, to the Movember JV Forever cause. Uh, and we'll also match that $50 uh, with a donation of our own uh, to the cause as well. A 50-50 raffle, uh, rent money style. So, Adam, you ready? Let's, let's just dive into it, baby. Let's have some fun. Yeah. Coming in and out, in and out, in and out. Trust about booming. Got the money coming in, it ain't no issues. I just fucked a rapper, bitch. I should have did show. Got the Mac 11 cocky, got the kick too. Serving nigga like no easy in my house shoe. The baby mama fucked me better when the rent's due. I just fucked a rapper, bitch. I should have did show. She saw my bitch, she came home, my bitch, she kissed you. The full fulfilling season of college football. It feels like we're still waiting on that one weekend of chaos, madness. Um, last weekend was close. Uh, there was opportunity for that to happen uh, in multiple games, and you know, with some of the top teams surrounded by a uh, you know Thanksgiving weekend rivalry week, feast week, just absolute blessing of, of college athletics all around, all over the table. Uh, but maybe we get it this weekend, and there's still a lot up in the air when it comes to the college football playoff. And, you know, next year we're expanding to 12 teams, and some of these conference championship games might not have the same level of meaning they do now in terms of getting into that top four, getting into the playoffs. So let's cherish this week and cherish what could be the chaos that ensues. Uh, you you excited for these games? Is there one you s- specifically got circled? I know that the one that I obviously have circled, uh, it's actually not a conference championship game. Um, Army-Navy? But it's one that I look forward to year after year, and that is Army-Navy. This is uh, the the pinnacle, some would say, of, of American athletics. Uh, you get a little bit of everything. I know that my dad every year is going to make a Facebook post where it's like, you know, these guys, they're, they're playing for more than just a contract or, you know, going into the league. They're playing, playing for pride and honor in their branch and serving their country. And I'm like, you know what, Keith, you make a damn good point. And so I think looking at this game and we can, I, I don't know if we want to dive into it straight away, but there's so many trends that are actually genuinely mind-boggling around service academy games. And this one between Army-Navy in particular, it's almost like it's almost like Vegas wants you to win. Yeah. Uh, let's hold off and, and get into the meat of that because it's a game that I know you always love to talk about and a game that I always look forward to as well. Just the colors, the sights, the sounds, the traditions. Uh, I saw an Army player... Uh, you know, basically come out with his statement. He said, ladies and gentlemen, you know, 
as a grad student now, it's time for me to, to enter the portal. Uh, and that portal is to, to serve our country. Uh, you know, I, as much as I love playing college football, I think it's my time to move on and, and go out and, and join, you know, an infantry or, or a unit. Uh, I thought that was, you know, a nice, I don't know, just it was a, it was a, it was a nice change of pace because it, it kind of presented itself like, oh, here comes this guy transferring out, grad student, wonder where he's going to go. And then it's like, no, he's going to, he's going to go serve. So, uh, shout out to that guy. His name's missing me right now, but uh, before we- it's are are you talking? Are you talking about uh, the Utah State quarterback? I do not believe I am, but maybe I am because I, you know he he, he just ADHD announced himself. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just gonna say this kid doesn't even go to a service this academy. Straight- he goes to Utah State. <laughs> let me let me see. Um, any any any. His name is Levi Williams. I just pulled it up. I uh, saw this come across and uh, yeah, you got folks like, do I go to the portal? Do I go to the draft? He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to buds. I'm going to be a Navy seal. That's incredible. Maybe there's more than one. Maybe this is a trend we're, we'll be seeing. You know, I think, I think Canel tweeted in Danny Canel's just been on a heater this week, him and Dion um, just going at it, whether you like or dislike Danny, that's up for debate. Uh, but it is entertaining to watch those two kind of go at it. Uh, let's real quick, Adam, uh, touch on a couple games from the previous week. First question I have, was it an interception or a touchdown? It was an interception. In a game where it felt like either team could win, in previous iterations of the game, right, the big one, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, it felt like Michigan was the better team through and through and just ultimately was able to impose their will on Ohio State, especially in the second half as they continued to run the ball. Uh, this year, it felt like that game could go either way. Even though it was on the road, uh, Ohio State just felt like the the plays they needed to have, they didn't make. And the opportunities where, you know, maybe they put their nuts on the line and, and go for it here or there, they didn't, and Michigan did. Uh, so it was a disappointing loss as I, you know, was all over the Buckeyes, uh, heavy on the Bucks, But um, shout out to Michigan. They, they did what they needed to do to prevail, and now they're – you know, 20-plus point favorites going into college football playoff. Um, any other thoughts from, from that game? I know it's got to be hard to wake up right now if you're Ryan Day and look yourself in the mirror. Um, but he's just got to remember, outside of, you know, top five teams, he's, what, like 53-1 and one or something unbelievable. Um, any other thoughts from yeah. that game besides I, just the, the winning plays didn't go their way? That's the way I felt throughout the entire game. It's like, oh, there's one. Oh, there's two. And it's like, if you're on the road and you're a three-point underdog – you got to have some of those plays just go your way. Yeah, I think that's part of it. The other part, though, is going back to Lou Holtz's comments going into the Notre Dame game. Everything that Lou Holtz said was spot on, and it was put into effect in the Michigan game. Michigan was so much more physical than Ohio State was. They were so much more upbeat, up-tempo, um, there were so many occasions where I just remember out loud saying Ohio state is playing to not lose. Michigan is playing to win. And that is the exact product. That was the exact product that you saw on the field. And it was really disappointing because of the excitement and all the hype that that day had. It was a phenomenal game, but knowing that Ohio state, should have won that game multiple times in a few different ways and 
leaning on Kyle McCord to have a game-winning drive is not something that you should expect ever. But for Lightning to strike twice in a season where he's going to go and do that on the road in the game of the mm-hmm. week, uh, once once is more than enough, and that's what they got at Notre Dame. Yeah. But Michigan's just significantly better up front on both sides of the ball still. At the beginning of the year um, – we talked a little bit about the changes in basically the rules of college football, specifically the first down, not stopping the clock anymore. And I haven't seen anybody take advantage of that and also suck the life out of what could have been a more, even more electric, even more finished than Michigan did with their 13 play 56 yards, seven minute drive, uh, picked up four or five first downs. And each time, you know, the clock keeps running. That's about a two and a half minute difference there. Uh, between, you know, Ohio State getting the ball back with three minutes, 30 seconds, and the clock stopping, you know, from the next minute and 30 with each first down and then getting the ball back with one minute and, and no timeouts. And we said it all year, like, it's a kind of a silly rule. It's a rule that was implemented to reduce the plays on the field and also reduce the time spent college football games. They said, oh, these NFL games, look how much faster they finish, and people don't want to sit through three-and-a-half, four-hour games. What a, what a load of horse shit. Because uh, they just stuck all That's that time with commercials. And as good as that game was, there was periods of that game in between all the reviews and all the commercials where I was like, what am I watching here? It was hard to watch at points because the, the product on the field was living up to the expectation. And Gus Johnson's yelling. He's doing a great job. And then it's just boom, boom, commercial, commercial. I haven't seen a bigger pervert than the guy that puts Parmesan all over himself and doesn't tell him to stop and asks for salt. That guy can rot in hell. That guy deserves the death penalty. But going to your point, too, the amount of reviews in that game, I I am all for like having a play get reviewed. But if it's not within the final two minutes and like the coach's challenges are out the window, in my opinion, I think you either A, have to get rid of automatic booth reviews for plays that aren't, touchdowns slash you know major critical plays and and even to that extent too i'll say i think a coach should be able to challenge anytime they have a timeout before like the final two minutes because otherwise the product on the field is exactly what we watched on saturday which was stop and go stop and go stop and go stop and go it's like that coaches three challenges even because and get rid of the booth reviews and it's always been like the, the discussions like well you want you want it to be right uh, you want the call in the field to be right. And honestly, there's gotten points this year. And college basketball is even worse with under two minutes reviewing every ball that goes out of bounds. Oh, my God. I don't really give a shit at anymore if it's right or not. Because a lot of times these calls are right. so close that you just end up spending five minutes and then go, we can't tell the call stands. And everybody else is just more pissed off anyways. Both sides are just like, well, it should have been this way. It should have been that way. And we're just doing ourselves a disservice to the game and the flow. Um, and so, And there's also a common sense element where it's like, Sure, maybe like for the touchdown catch, that was also an interception, right? I think per the review, I was like, okay, I think that's an interception. But for common sense of just like, fuck it, call it a touchdown. The guy had the ball, he's in the end zone. Is it moving in a slight minuscule? I think so. Is it an interception? Probably. But nobody can see that kind of movement with the naked eye. And we're slowing it down to this one one hundredth of a frame per second. Was an interception, sure, but common sense on the field, it's a touchdown. Just call it a fucking touchdown, move on. Um, so it's just... Because then at the same time, 
think about it this way too. Like they're going to spot a ball and decide if it's a first down or not by two chains and like right. a fucking 10 yard chain marker. And it's like, all right, there's, first of all, we have z- absolutely zero cohesion across the board when it comes to deciding when to use the most technological advancements that we have. Or on the flip side, let's just do the exact same thing that our founding fathers would have done in order to figure out how long they needed to build a bridge, right? right? Like this is, this is to me why officiating has gotten worse in every single sport. I don't think there's one sport that I have seen in the past few years. And I get it. Everything is all about player safety, this, uh, you know, making sure that we're coaching properly, that the refs aren't on the field to tell the players how to play. They're there to punish them if they make a mistake. That's the difference. And if it if it's not a mistake that is blatantly affecting the play or bringing intentional harm or even incidental mm-hmm. harm to a player on the field, I don't understand why a flag is thrown 800 fucking times when they'll miss blatant. Like you'll see missed delay of game calls. You'll see missed holds on, you know, elite edge rushers yeah. all the time. But God forbid you make a good clean hit across the middle. You're getting called for targeting. They have almost more, the refs have more on their plate than ever. Here's what I'll say. It's hard for me to believe that these refs, if you put them, if you flip the refs from 2000 with today, like the actual people, I bet the 2000 calls like would be better and worse. I think the refs are like actually better today, like on a one for one basis, but they're just asked to do so much more in terms of navigating the game and calling the game. And I remember growing up, dude, we didn't have HDTV. It was basically a blob on the screen. And you're like, oh, that guy's the ball. He's running. You can't – you don't have a high def where you can literally see from a up-top angle everything that's happening on the field at once where it's pretty easy to be like, oh, that's a missed call. Oh, that's a missed call. And it's easy to forget these guys are watching now, athletes that are better than they've ever been before and are faster than they've ever been. Uh, so I do try and give them, like, a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Um, but I will agree with your statement wholeheartedly that from our seat with – all that we have at our disposal now, it does make it a little bit more of like, oh, there's a missed call, there's a missed call. Maybe it's today's generation as well, where everybody's looking for a reason or an out on why things didn't go their way. Um, so it's hard for – I do think the refs are better than they've ever been, while simultaneously it's like the worst product that it's ever been, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I'd go on record too, Jack, to say that I'll be, you know, the first to have my hand up and say, oh, you know, the refs, they missed this call. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs us a game, but at some point too, I think we all need to just come to this consensus as fans that when it comes to officiating, you have to remove your bias as a fan and just look at it as, you know, Rob Lowe in the stands with the NFL Uh hat on and say, is this helping the game growing the game or is it causing, you know, an adverse effect Mm -hmm. that is actually changing the entire course of the end result? of what we're about to watch or what, what the outcome of this game will be. And I think at the end of the day, if you're not looking at everything from that lens, then yeah, you're going to have that bias. Like I just said, but you're not watching these games to see if the refs are going to make their calls correctly. You're watching these games to see if the kids are going to play on the line and get on the fucking dudes in suits a thousand miles away that are calling for some of these roughing the passer calls and some of these, 
that's like they're the ones that honestly it's not always the ref's fault for what they're asked to do especially in the nfl is where it's just awful some of the rough in the passer calls or a blind side like you know a defenseless receiver gets hit or something like that it's just it's taking out a little bit of what we love about the game for sure uh, i would also say yeah. i hate when they clip to the the guy in the studio that's a former referee that's just an absolute shill uh, for the referees, I will say, though, Dan, Dean Blandino, he knew he was having a big day. He knew he was going to be doing the most watched game of the year. He brought up the fuchsia tie. His beard was trimmed up. Dean was looking sexy. Um, shout out Dean Blandino. He's probably my favorite of all the different ref shills that equally suck, but Dean sucks the least. Uh, all right. I don't know. Mike I, I fucking hate off, all of dude. them. Yeah, that's. I'll give you that. But all I know is if it's not even noon on a Saturday, the last thing that I want to see on my television is Dean Blandino's fucking ass right. telling me what should and should not be happening on the field. Um, should we real quickly? Let's. I mean, touch on the Iron Bowl. Uh, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Still in the hunt. Uh, I don't even know with a win if they'll make the college football playoff, but they're they're in the hunt, right? And it came down to a third yard game-winning touchdown pass from Jalen Milrow. What was Auburn doing on that play? They rushed two guys and put somebody in a spy. I, it was unbelievable as a legendary Bama hater and just a hater of, you know, Yankees, Cowboys, um, Bama, Kentucky basketball, right? That's just part of my, my personality as a Midwest guy uh, that, you know, grew up rooting for the little guys. Unbelievable, unbelievable finish to the game. The Iron Bowl always delivers. That was a, a five and six or six and five Auburn team that you know was not expected to, to put up necessarily a fight. But you have to throw the book out when it's a rivalry game. What any thoughts from that game? Is it, it was a fun finish? Disappointing if you're an Auburn fan. Yeah, I I think you nailed it. It's like, how is this? Who's the fucking guy wearing the defensive coordinator headset telling someone, hey? Be involved in this play by essentially spectating right. this play in case Milrow wants to scramble and then you'll get beat and then you'll get beat to the flat because it's fucking Jalen. Like I, I don't understand anything that went on in that scenario. And I will give credit to Milrow there. He, I mean, him and Bond, the receiver, uh, electric connection there. He did a nice job of just staying in the pocket and not trying to get outside the pocket and just kind of waiting and buying his time. So. Golly, it's just so – it's like Kansas basketball. Um, and Kansas basketball did this again recently where at the end of the game, somehow they just pull it out. And you're like, holy shit, they were not the better team that whole game, and now they just won, and it just pisses me off. So uh, yeah. the last one I want to talk about, Adam, you come from a split household, uh, you know, grew up with some Huskers fans in your family, uh, obviously became a Hawkeye. Um, that was the all-time best-worst game I've seen in a long time. Nailed it. Couldn't have said it better myself if I tried. What a finish! And to bring out the walk, like the walk-on kicker, um, who barely had a yeah. barely had the leg to get it there for forty. <laughs> but he, but he got there. I think. I think that is to to touch quickly on them pulling Drew Stevens for a walk-on placement mm-hmm. kicker to win to win the game. Right? They made that decision exponentially faster than they still have yet to make the decision to bring in Joey Labas or one of the other backup quarterbacks. Like you'll watch Deacon Hill throw 16 straight incomplete passes 
and they're like, no, we just got to let him warm up. We got to let him get there. But the kicker misses two field goals, pull his fucking ass for this no-name that doesn't even have a scholarship. We don't even know if he's a student. But he had a good night on the town uh, that Friday night He better Saturday. Have. Hope he got treated right. Uh, I think I got a new nickname for, for Deke. Uh, I think we should start calling him the big unit in an ode to Randy Johnson because all of his balls come out like 100 miles an hour. And obviously he's a fatty. The, I, I think that that's been a trend that's gotten worse over time because it was bad looking back. Like it was bad with Stanley. Stanley had no touch. But then Petrus was even worse. I think Deacon's the worst like that we'll see as far as a five-yard in. He's going to fucking get it to you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready for it, which there's no way you could be as a wide receiver at the University of Iowa, like yeah. if you if you could handle that pass, you're not playing wide receiver at the University of Iowa. You're playing cornerback at the University of Iowa. And so – I will say the I receivers, know. I feel like, have gotten a little better at handling the heat. Like, when he first came out there, there was so many that hit the guys on the hands. People were like, got to catch them. I'm like, well, that could have been not 100 miles an hour. And I've seen a couple grabs, like, the last few weeks between uh, Caleb Brown and uh, mainly Caleb Brown and Ostranga, you know, and Stilianos. Yeah. I can't believe we were four deep in the tight end position. It's incredible. Uh, but, yeah, Deacon Hill, 11 for 28, 94 yards in an interception. That's just another week for the guy. <laughs> just another week. He's just um, – in and out. But before it all finished, I don't know if you talked to your family at all. Uh, Nebraska, 5-7, and seven, haven't made a bowl game in, what is it, like seven or eight years. Um, Chubba just – I mean, Deacon tried to fuck it, and Chubba said, let me fuck it harder. Uh, yeah. What – did you get any feedback from your family on that loss, or did you hear anything from that, or, or was it pretty quiet? No. I let I let them be. Uh, they're, they're, they're going through it. An, another year in the books for them. I did get to watch the game with Sage and her twin sister, Sierra Sage, obviously being the, the Iowa cheerleader, Sierra repping Nebraska gymnastics. That was a nice little, uh, in law rivalry that I have cooking on the other side of it too. So Nebraska versus Iowa is everywhere. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's Thanos of the college football world. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I just felt I felt terrible for her because it's like I'm sitting there watching the team that I know is going to find a way to squeak out a win in the end, not really knowing, but having a weird amount of confidence that they would. And then I know for a fact that she's sitting watching the game thinking the exact opposite with the exact same mindset. And that's just that's a brutal spot to be yeah. in and one that I'm not really sure what what that feels like but a quick quick saber metric for you as well here mr turner mm. uh the the purdy family is like oh is oh and four Ooh. against the iowa hawkeyes we're their kryptonite we are the kryptonite for the purdy brock's family. dad is so much more jacked than brock and chubba uh just Kind of warms my heart a little bit knowing that he's out there. It's the same with Tyson Bajan's dad. You ever see him when they do oh, zoom in yeah. on the sidelines and he's rocking the fucking rogue t-shirt? He's a slap box guy. Yeah, I think he's an arm wrestling guy, right? Like world champion. Or his arm wrestling, uh, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't slap box is a whole different wrestling. breed. That's even that guy those guys are they're like Russians that live up in like Siberia. They're like the wrestlers from high school that 
were like, this isn't intense. They're like, I'm not wearing being, I wanna, uh, headgear because I want the cauliflower ear. Like, I want people to know I'm crazy. <laughs> did, did you just say something to me, bro? Uh, Anytime. Adam, so, I mean, you know, I love the tradition of the hockey game on Friday uh, after Thanksgiving. A little birdie told me that you were actually head chef uh, at a Thanksgiving get-together last week. Did a knock-up job. How how was that? You know, taking the the place of you know a lot of people before you as as a leader. Uh, I'm sure Sage was was right there along with you, but as a leader in the kitchen and a leader on a day uh, full of gratefulness. Yeah, it was great. It was it was honestly, it it couldn't have been much better as far as the food went. The one thing that I did not do a great job of was the gravy. Um, way too fucking salty. Too salty. Was it? How was the consistency? The consistency was, uh, it was like a thicker yeah, like with like some, some chunkiness as well. <laughs> a little, like a little bit. Yeah, it was good. It was like a, like a cognac gravy. Okay. How'd you do the turkey? Threw her in the oven, shoved a bunch of shit in her. <laughs> Heard that. It turned out great. Yeah. Well, well props to you. Um, maybe next year we'll, we'll get together and, and, uh, see what's cooking, but That'd be great. Before we go any further, um, we usually do the Heisman update every week. This week, I say we shelve it. Um, I think it's pretty clear it's Bo Nix or, or Jaden Daniels. Up to up to your debate, we'll see how Bo Nix does in the Washington game, and we can talk about that here in a bit. But um, any transfer portal things that you want to discuss? Um, I know that you've been kind of locked in on the portal. Uh, and a couple quarterbacks, big name quarterbacks, have came out and, and said they're looking at maybe moving teams. Yeah, I think the there's a couple big ones that I want to call out. The first one, I know we touched on him earlier in the season. He's a sleeper, uh, and I think he's about to be. I think he finishes top five in the Heisman next year. Cam Ward mm-hmm. from Washington State Love making him. the jump to Ohio State. Oh my God, I want this guy to be in the NFL as soon as possible. I think, I think that there's a chance that he's just a perfect balance of everything you want in an NFL quarterback. If he can get through this next season and really get through the progressions and understand and just retain information as quickly as possible. But another big one, Notre Dame three years in a row that they'll be making a potential start uh, with a one year rental out of the portal going from Jack Cohn from Wisconsin to Sam Hartman mm-hmm. from Wake Forest. And now next year, looking at Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard just Riley like Leonard. a Notre Dame quarterback. Is he going to enter the draft? Can he? I, I don't know. I think he can. Isn't he a junior? Yeah, they got him uh, – you know, six rounder. So I mean, there could there's a lot of upside, especially if you're getting paid, you know, pretty well in the NIL. Like a six yeah. rounder, it's you know, tomato tomato at that point, right? Versus if you were you know a top three rounder, you're getting paid expeditiously more uh, than NIL. Yeah. But the one thing, the one thing that I'm worried about though with Riley Leonard is that we have to hear that that cheesy ass you suck story every fucking game story? i don't know if you know that essentially like his mom before every game oh, yeah. texts him you what suck mom, just to dude. humble him a little bit no he like asked her to do it because he was like mom i feel like i'm getting way too cocky or something i need well, you to humble this me. Guy like and so that's know. their tradition 
yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Oh my god, get out of here! Yeah, maybe just go that photo though after after the the Notre Dame Duke game earlier this year where Sam Hartman ran over uh, to the the other sideline after Riley Leonard got injured. That that photo is kind of going viral a little bit, Uh, not viral, but any other passing the torch. Any other quarterbacks that you got listed? I think the the one other one uh, for the second year in a row, Grayson McCall will be in the transfer portal. He, he jumped in and, and then was like, nah, I'll, I'll remain a chance to clear after uh, last season. But a couple others that are officially in it, most recent listing was uh, DJ Ukulele yeah. out of uh, for, formerly Clemson and uh, God's name, image, and likeness. But then Oregon State this past year had a pretty successful year. Uh, will Howard, though, yeah. out, of, out of your Kansas State Wildcats, couple thoughts here first on dj and cam ward it just shows that how big of a deal it is that you know wash state and oregon state on the outside looking in now in the pack two or the two pack uh that both their quarterbacks you know it's it's gonna be a little bit of a different program for them going forward which, which stinks a program um and then for will howard i mean he's had a great career at kansas state wish him nothing but the best um Won every Sunflower Showdown he's been a part of. Was a starting quarterback at the Big 12 Championship winning team last year. Um, you can never That's you can cool. never take that away from Will. He's he's had a successful career, and he was somebody that I thought could be maybe a late draft pick in the NFL, and I think he still could be uh, if he went out now. He just has the tools, 6'4", uh, pretty mobile, uh, cannon of an arm. But it's also, you know, I think this is a good program move here, right, where, you know, it's his fifth year. He's expended his time he's given all he could give and the program's pretty much given all they can give back to him uh and it's time for him to move on maybe as a grad transfer go get a bag go get a check somewhere else for a quarterback needy team uh possibility of improving your draft stock one more time and we look at bo nicks will Penix. or the list goes on and on of guys that have you know continued to stick around in college football and have, have seen success i would say the program to look out for for him to transfer to is what we talked about earlier nebraska uh, i could see that being a nice fit uh, Nebraska is going to be quarterback needy next year. Jeff Sims, Purdy, those are not the guys. Uh, Will Howard would be an instant upgrade. Uh, you know, they have a desire to be good at football. They want to be good at football, uh, and they might be willing to, to shell out for Will Howard. And it's not, you know, too big of a difference in terms of just like Kansas State to Nebraska. There's just something that kind of makes sense about it. And it's a fit. And then for Kansas State moving forward, I mean, this is just what you needed to do. They had true freshman Avery Johnson out of Wichita there. He was a five star recruit that came in at quarterback. Uh, we saw glimpses of him this year at quarterback, and it was honestly electric. Uh, he already rushed for six touchdowns, three for three touchdowns in the course of the season. And it's time for this guy to step into to, you know, the spot that he's supposed to be. A, a Kansas boy, five-star recruit, quarterback, dual threat. Um, he's he's going to be the man going forward. So excited to see what Avery Johnson can do next year uh, with literally the yeah. highest touted recruit K-State's had under the Chris Kleiman era exciting stuff in manhattan uh let's just hey let's fucking get to it right we got a bunch of good games this weekend uh we're gonna go in order of played we're gonna focus on the power five conferences uh if you listen to the show you know that adam sometimes likes to dip and dip and duck and dodge with some of the the group of five plays and obviously navy army which we um you know gave a little teaser for earlier as well but we're gonna start here a rematch Oregon, nine-and-a-half-point favorites versus Washington. Knicks-Pennix uh, rematch. 
nine and a half points is a lot. And, you know, since these two teams played the first time, I think Washington was a slight favorite at home night game. Both teams were playing really good ball at the time. Uh, since that loss, I think Oregon has just cemented themselves as the gravy, the top tier of college football currently. They're the cream, right? They're rising to the top. Uh, while Washington has remained undefeated, uh, impressively so, but they've had a lot of nail biters. They kind of have a little bit of a TCU from last year feel where the ball just kind of bounces their way and they're, they're able to pull it out. Um, anything, any thoughts on this game, Adam, as we Friday night, 7 o'clock? Yeah, dude, this is a weird one for me just because it's great. Like, I understand the trends, right? I understand the fact that you have Oregon been nothing but impressive every single game since and Washington scraping by. But we're we're talking about a game that's already happened once before this year where Washington won outright. Like, how in the fuck? is this team that still hasn't lost. How is this the team that Vegas is saying, you know what? They're 10-point underdogs, 9.5-point underdogs. That is a little bit insane to me um, and just shows the impact that like winning isn't everything. Like You have to win well. You have to lose well in the world of, of sports betting, sports gambling. Um I don't personally have a play on this game outside of taking the over on pretty much every Bucky Irving prop that you can, but probably just taking the over in the game as a whole. I know that there's been some sharp movement on the under, but I don't know, dude, both of these defenses are good. Not great. And by good, I mean good for the Pac-12 standards. They have like NFL-caliber talent. But Oregon has looked not that great defensively against every able-bodied quarterback that they faced, i.e. Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Cam Ward. They've all been able to at least move the ball on them. And I feel like if Penix is healthy – he's going to be able to do enough to probably keep it within 10. But I think if I had to throw, if I had to throw, I would do Oregon first half. I think that Oregon just comes out hotter and they cover whatever it is, like four, four and a half first half spread. I like that. Going back to an Arizona win for Washington, which – Retroactively is a great win. Uh, we've been on the Wildcats here uh, all year. They're, they're a really good team. Uh, they won by seven points, three points, eight points, nine points, ten points, seven points, two points, three points. So like they haven't beaten anybody by more than two possessions really uh, in a long time. Oregon, meanwhile, has been running people up. I think this is a bit of a ratty line at nine and a half, um, and it feels like they're. It feels like Vegas is begging people to bet ten on Washington, like take that number for Washington. Uh, and so in that sense, I almost want to flip back to Oregon, but I like where you're at. Take the first half uh, and see where it goes from there. Uh, maybe it's just a Friday night game that you're able to enjoy. If anything, I think it's the most – George Bam is pretty fun, but probably the arguably the most fun matchup. And also, in a way, is the matchup with the most on the line because I think whoever wins this game is pretty, pretty much in. Yeah. Winning your in, in type of game, when you're in. which is 
one of two. I think if Bama wins, they're in as well. We can get to that. I would disagree. Texas minus 15 versus Oklahoma State University. Uh, Oklahoma State, what a bounce back season for them. It looked like they were kind of headed downhill and Gundy turned around right at the ship. Uh, but Texas is who we thought they were, and they've put together a great season. Uh, the one loss, obviously, Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, uh, and a game that came down to the wire and one they probably should have won uh, if you were playing like the percentages games. But uh, Sark went prevent defense mode, and, and they gave up a touchdown there. So Texas minus 15. Any thoughts? Maybe maybe an upset here? Any chance of an upset? Uh, Maybe. Um, 15 is a weird line for me. I don't personally like it. Um, however, it has been getting some love from the market just in terms of some of the sharp plays they have had six movements, push them to this point. And then as far as system plays go, um, there's a, a fun little system this week, uh, entailing ranked matchups of teams where the spread is between three and 30 um it's it's at a neutral site uh the both teams are ranked and it's being played before bowl games um this is a 293 214 and 10 record which puts you at about a 58 percent win percentage 12 percent return on your investment um you're gonna see a ton of these matchups this week so i'm not sure how much i love that system in a conference championship setting but one thing that i do love in this game jack is for texas's offense to keep just humming um i know that they had a a very interesting football game against iowa state uh where they only put up 26 a similar one against tcu where they were only able to put up 29 But over the past, I would say, two weeks, I think Texas is just showing that, in my mind, with how good their defense is, too, with Tavondre Sweat and some of those guys just plugging up the middle. Texas, in my opinion, is the third best team in the country and should be in the playoff. Will they get there? It doesn't look very likely. I think that if... Texas wins this game and Bama wins this game. Texas should want Bama to win, obviously. Um, yeah. And like, let's say if, let's say Louisville wins, right? Let's just go through the. Should we just go through that exercise now? Because like, it's gonna come up in all these games. Yeah, I guess let's just fucking do it now. But before we do, I will say this: my play for this game is Texas team total over thirty-five and a half. I think they run it up this game. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, all right. Let's say Texas wins. Let's say Oregon wins. Let's say Bama wins. Let's say Louisville wins. And I think Michigan, you can pencil them in as much as I want to leave in the Hawks. Um, that leaves, you know, one spot left, more or less, or two spots left if Louisville wins. I mean, everybody, all these one-loss teams want Louisville to win, right? I don't. I know we've had this discussion before. I think an undefeated Florida State team will, will find their way in. I think the winner of the Pac-12 will find their way in, and I think Michigan's a lock. So that's three teams that are in. God, it's just such a cluster because do you leave no SEC teams in? But then if you put Bama in over Texas, it's like we played this game. Texas beat them on the road. Like how do you 
deny that. Do you just put Georgia back in over both teams, even though they just lost in a game? Do you say, hey, Oregon, sorry, I know you had a great season, but we're just going to put Bama and Georgia in and leave both these teams out and go two SEC teams? I have no idea how this is going to break down. So they're, according to basic math, which I am not good with, and this could be a lot longer of a segment, but there are a grand total, Jack, of 16 scenarios in the playoff itself. I think the most likely is the scenario where Nah, actually, I don't anymore. I think the most likely is probably a Georgia, just based off spreads alone. Georgia, and then Oregon, over Florida State. But let's say Florida State wins that game, and you have Georgia, Oregon, Florida State, Texas. Texas. That would give you one seed is Georgia, two Michigan, three Oregon, Oregon, four Florida State, five. Oh, Florida State wins. Yes, Yes. I agree. Um, If Florida State loses, loses, you would put Texas and Oregon wins. Texas gets that four seed. You go Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, which, in my opinion, is probably the best possible scenario. I think that would put the best product Probably the best on the teams. I would. I think it all really. It seems to me, if everything mostly is chalked, that it chaos ensues if Bama wins. That's where the chaos comes in. If Bama it's, wins, it's an absolute shit show. Everything is fucked. <laughs> if Bama wins, and Auburn put us in this position, so, I guess. So I'm glad that they they put last yeah. week. It's kind of fun, but holy cow! If Bama wins. If you go Bama, Washington, Florida State, Texas, Georgia gets knocked out of the playoff. You would have Michigan at the one, Washington would be the two, Bama at three, Florida State at four. If if is, you put is there any scenario Bama, where Ohio State can find their way back into the to the mix, maybe a Texas loss. As far as Maybe a Texas loss, as far as I can tell. loss, and then you would go with everything else is chalk. I think from what I'm seeing, there is not of all 16 scenarios. Michigan, as of as of this, Michigan is guaranteed. Ohio State has one exactly one opportunity yeah. Georgia where win. they would be able Washington to get in win. and that is FSU Texas lose let me find it I'm pretty sure that's it yeah Georgia Washington Louisville Oklahoma State yeah. is the only shot where Ohio State would make if it you're in. I think it was 18 to 1 odds, but I think if you parlay the money lines, it's, it comes out even better. So if you're a Buckeye fan listening and, you know, want to put five bucks down and hold out hope, get 20 to 1 odds yeah. or something along those lines and, and, and root for some upsets, root for some chaos, I would be pissed if Ohio State made it in. Back to my years. I, losing to Ohio yeah, State. I, I think. That would be it for me. I'd be like, this is the, the Big Ten is the new SEC. Like, what the fuck? Right. 
Okay, well, glad we did that because it was bound to happen at some point as we continue going through these games. We just talked about chaos ensues if Bama wins. Georgia's five-and-a-half-point favorites versus Bama. Uh, this game opened up a little bit of a closer spread, but after last week, I mean, we've all known this is going to be the matchup now for two weeks. Um, so the spread you know, came out two weeks ago, and, and people have been putting money betting Georgia up. We'll see where this one lands. Adam, uh, Brock Bowers is returning this game. Uh, that's that's big. Uh, so any any thoughts here? I, I, I've been seeing like a couple of pros saying that the first quarter under appears to be the play, but with Brock being back, I'm not really sure. And with Alabama probably understanding that they need to get up early in order to avoid having to throw the ball every down in the fourth quarter, um, I feel like there's a chance that you see like a 17 point first quarter. I think the second quarter is going to be even more high scoring third quarter under. However, I think the third quarter is the best look for me when you get into the fact that you, you assume, you know what you're going to see coming out of the gates, but after the halftime, who better to make adjustments than a Kirby Smart or Nick Saban matchup? I think that'd be a fun one to do is uh, take the over in every quarter except the third. Take the under, see what happens, parlay it, fuck it. But for the most part, I'm going to stay away from this game. I'm just going to want to watch it as a fan. Um. I, if I had to throw something, I would throw Bama money line just because of the value. I don't really love them getting less than a touchdown. But if they play a great game and pull one out, you'll be pissed if you don't have the money line. I don't know. This is one I think that we just got to sit back and watch again. Because Bama is the weirdest team that they've probably ever been as far as being unsure how to really predict what they'll do a lot of that in part thanks to fucking tommy reese but saban's gonna save Saban's it. gonna save it it's always di- yeah it's always difficult but kirby smart they've had their number um just based off vibes this has got me in trouble before because you don't want to bet against like Saban. You don't want to bet against Coach K. You don't want to bet against Belichick, Belichick. You know, like these are the guys traditionally. It's like you look, they, they make you look like a fool. Uh, but I'm going to lean Georgia. Like it makes, it reminds me of the speech that Kirby Smart gave last year before the championship game where he gets his guys more fired up than anybody else to just go out there and whoop ass. Uh, and I can see them kind of opening that can of whoop ass. They've been trending up all year. Uh, Bama, solid, solid defense. Maybe one of the best defenses in the nation, except for when they play teams that have competent offenses. I mean, you saw Texas move the ball on them. You saw LSU move the ball on them. Uh, I could see Georgia, you know, moving the ball on them. Uh, Jalen Milrow, they're going to have to establish the run game if they're going to want to win. I believe he's thrown, you know, as a deep ball passer, 15 touchdowns this year and one interception. Uh, But most of that's predicated off play action and establishing the run, first of all. And that's going to be difficult to do against that front seven at Georgia. So is this Georgia team the same team that we saw the last two years, right? I don't think so. I think if you, you know, played the last two years teams uh, against this team, those teams would probably be favored and come out on top. Uh, But those teams were such light years ahead of everyone else. I think this team 
is still the best in the nation. Um, That's what makes the Ohio State team from last year. From was it I last think, year? You know, I've heard other people say this. Um, you know that that Ohio State team was built to like beat Georgia, right? But they Michigan team was built to beat Ohio State, right? It's a classic game of rock, paper, scissors. It's a classic game of rock, paper, scissors. I mean, I mean, look at what CJ Stroud's doing now. It makes it even more like, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. Stroud is so – I'm a Stroud he's boy. So Stroud boy stand up. His pocket presence is unbelievable. He just He's just hopping back there. Just his feet are always moving. Uh, it's impressive to watch. He's, he's a stud. He, his footwork has improved so fucking much. Since college, I got. Yeah. I don't know what he's. Doing. I got to be honest. Maybe I was underlooking the size factor a little bit, and I mean, he still has a long career ahead of him, so we'll see how this pans out. But I thought Bryce Young would be better in the NFL. Like the way he played last no. year in some of those big games, like even against Georgia last year, he was tearing him up and making that a competitive game. Um, he was better as the year before that as sophomore. He, he was a Heisman winner. The year before, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, 2021. I mean, he was doing things out there that was incredibly impressive. Granted, they gave him a sack of potatoes, basically, to, to work with on offense. Um, but I I mean, I truly thought that they were going to be – he was going to be pretty good as well. So we'll see if anything changes. But, yeah, when you see him out there, he just looks small. But then I said, okay, but the SEC is supposedly the biggest, baddest dudes around. And he carved them up for two years, so – um, not to get off topic, we're not an NFL pod. Next game we have is Florida State minus two and a half versus Louisville. No Jordan Travis last week, no problem. Uh, this is where shit pisses me off a little bit. Is that Florida State win was a rivalry game against Florida? Um, I believe it was on the road, and they handled their business. And I don't think anybody here is saying that Florida is the, the best team. Uh, you know, they're five and seven. But Auburn isn't really super great, and that was a really close game. Wash State, not a solid team, incredibly close game. And I don't see anybody bitching about them, you know, winning those games. But then now Florida State, it's like, oh, their quarterback's out. And, and they went on the road in a rivalry game and took care of business against the SEC team. Uh, you know, not Florida's best team, and uh, Nate Pierce probably gone. But if they win, for me, they're in. And there, there shouldn't really be much of a debate, especially because this Louisville win would just be another another solid win to add to their resume. But maybe you disagree. Yeah. Two and a half points. I threw on Louisville's money line on Monday of this week. I took that as almost as soon as I could just because I have a feeling, or I had a feeling, that the market was going to push this to more of like a one to a pick em type game. That has not been the case. Um, the game has actually remained consistent across the board when looking at the spread, uh, which makes little to no sense to me, given the fact that they are not going to have their star quarterback in Jordan Travis. But I think the Florida game is going to give a lot of folks a sense of false hope mm. about Florida state okay. because Florida is fucking terrible. Um, the, the game State itself too. it's just rivalry games with a lot to play for they're playing for a bowl game i mean i i don't disagree that florida's not very good but it's just that there's a double standard going on when talking about florida state yeah i would i would agree with that as well uh, i think that there's just a consensus of people who want 
to see them not do well. Um, just without having right, Travis, right. I think folks don't want them in the playoff, which is understandable as a fan, but you got to give some props to this Louisville team. Uh, Brome has got that program humming. Uh, Plummer, Jake Plummer, ever heard of him? He's thrown for just just half a buck shot of 3,000 yards on the season. Uh, Juwan Jordan, running back, over 1,000 yards rushing. Jamari Thrash. Mm-hmm a name that you should be very aware of as a, like he, he gives me a, like a, a Baltimore Ravens slot receiver vibe. The dude's shifty as hell. Uh, he could be the next you, better version of sky Moore If it, if the chiefs get this guy in the second or third, um, you name um, a quarterback, Adam, it's my due diligence and duty on this program. As always to name the previous co- teams he played for, uh, Jake Plummer, former Purdue, and Cal Bear, uh, quarterback. Uh, yep. So let's bring this guy back into the fold. Knew him pretty well at Purdue. Um, always, that's just my that's my duty, my role on this on this show. But I digress. Yeah, uh, you get to watch not one but two former Purdue quarterbacks uh, between Aiden O'Connell, which makes no sense to me how he is a starting quarterback right now. <laughs> in the NFL after watching him play at Purdue. But yeah, Plummer's also, he's in a fucking conference championship. Isn't that unbelievable? So power to, power to him. Power hey, to job, him. Yeah, back think, years in a conference championship game with Purdue and Louisville. Like, what are the statistics on that? What a guy. He's a hell of a coach. Not high. Yeah, that's good work. But I personally, I know that I'm saying don't throw on – Florida State, but I would much rather take Florida State minus two and a half than I would take Louisville plus two and a half. I think those points are throw them throw them in the fucking wash. You're either taking Florida State minus two and a half, or you're taking Louisville to win outright with that positive value. Um, I'm taking the value here. I think that Louisville is as good of a team as Florida State without Jordan Travis, and I think this will be a fucking dog fight. But we'll see. I, I think this could be the most – I think this potentially will be the most entertaining game of the, the slate. I like that. That's fun. Um, when you have a receiver like Keon Coleman, that makes your life a lot easier as the backup quarterback. So at least Florida State's got that going for them. You know, just a top-tier, upper-echelon receiver. Um, I think about Dunza. Is that how you say his name? The Washington um, receiver. And then Marvin Harrison and then Keon Coleman. Like Those are the guys. Those are the top three. Uh, Malik Neighbors, he's a beast. I would put him at shit. I'd probably put him at two or three. You got Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina. Leggett's stud. He's a fucking. He's a fucking stud. You got uh, every year. It's just the receiving classes are just beasts. It's awesome. Dude, I love it. They're the receivers and the cornerbacks have gotten better. And the cornerbacks are unreal too. So yeah, because you all to the NFL. It's not just Will Johnson. Yet. Will Johnson uh, from Michigan. I think he he got a great highlight of uh, that interception against Marvin Harrison. But Benjamin Morrison played him better. Last game better of the day, Michigan twenty two point favorites versus Iowa. I'm just happy to be here, you know. Uh, I think that's a success in itself on the season. 
anything within the spread would be a major success in this game for Iowa. Anything under 28 points you'll live with. You hope they just keep it close in the first half. So it's like, oh, you know, they, they hung tough for a little bit, but obviously the, the offensive ineptitude uh, was never going to allow them to compete in this game. What I think is going to be difficult is that Michigan is a team that they just beat you to death. They don't have big plays. They don't like Iowa and Michigan have the least amount of big plays in the nation this year. Um, but it's like Iowa wishes they could be what Michigan is in terms of offense of like four, five yards, four, five yards, just over and over again down the field. Um, so not a lot of thoughts. I would probably, my head would tell me to take Michigan spread here. Uh, my heart would give me the Hawks. Uh, you can sure bet your butt. I'm going to be betting uh, over a half point first half. Hawkeyes. Uh, Tory Taylor to pin. Maybe a, a Logan Lee safety. There you go. Cash it. Jack, can I run you through something that uh, a good buddy of mine, Kyle Lieber, sent my way earlier this week as far as games with a big line and a low total? Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a look at some numbers. So, first of all, if you have a total of 40 points or less and the favorite is supposed to win by 10 or more since 1980 you would be 5978 against the spread 43% win percentage minus 3 points per game let's take it a step further jack let's go nah maybe let's not do 40 let's say 37 or less for the total. And let's up the Andy on the, the favorite as well for the spread. Let's say 14 points or more for the favorite in a total of less than 37. You're now looking at seven and 16 against the spread. So we've dropped from 43% to 30% win rate. But Jack, let's take it. One one more step further, because this will be the 15th time since 1980 that a game has had a total of less than 37 points, and the favorite is favored by more 21 points or more. You would be, if you were to throw on the favorite, you would be... 2-12 and 12 against the spread, bringing us down to 14%. Any way you shape this up, whether you want to look at games that are more similar and increase your sample size, it's still, it's still in favor of Iowa. However... Iowa's been breaking all the rules this year. <laughs> Iowa breaks all the fucking rules they don't care, and neither do I, because I think, you know, you tried calling this out after Iowa made that announcement, Jack, the Brian Ferentz kitchen sink game. I still think that that's going to be the bowl game as it is every season. However, this is not just the end of Brian Ferentz. This is the end of the Big Ten West as we know it. It will never be the same. They're bringing in offensive-powered teams with 
less physicality on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Iowa has an opportunity to make a statement, not by winning this game, because analytically and statistically, based on the numbers, they're being given about a 7% chance to win this game, which is better than I would put it. You're telling me this yeah. You're telling me there's a chance. You're this However, game ten times we'd probably win one of them. No, that's uh, I said probably you might probably over a you know, yeah probably over, yeah yeah. I'll give you probably, but mm-hmm. you'd be you, you're looking at a trend, Jack, where taking taking the points, you'd be twelve and two historically. I kind of want to do it. I I know I know that I'm going to regret it, but I kind of want to do it. Last year, I was all in on just gross big spreads and taking the underdog because there's always that that feeling of we're in the money or we can backdoor this, right? You know, there's always a chance. Uh, holy shit! The first half line at half a point is just the most insane thing I've ever seen, especially in a championship game, let alone a football game. Uh, We'll see. It's been a fun ride this year. The Hawks have found ways to win in in super fun fashion. Uh, Maybe we'll see a a letdown spot here for for Michigan, but it's hard to believe that at the night night spot, Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, So let's go Hawks. All right, Army versus Navy. Adam, this was the game you had circled uh, in a weekend filled with ranked teams, uh, championship games, college football playoff hopes. Uh, This is the one that you're most excited to talk about. Yeah, before we get into uh, our Duluth trading company game of the week, um, and before we get into a quick quick ad read uh, from Duluth, uh, there's a few other games, G5 conferences, that I want to highlight because these will be on my card as The floor well. is yours. First one. First one. New Mexico State. Versus Liberty Biberty. Liberty Mutual. Liberty Biberty Mutual. I don't know about you guys, uh, but I I personally can't say that I've watched a lot of either of these teams in my lifetime. I, I try to do my best to keep up with Liberty when they, uh, they brought in that uh, fucking quarterback at Tennessee what the hell's his name now beyond me but <laughs> this is one where you're looking at a team Liberty finishing out their regular season undefeated 12 and0 uh, they have already beaten this team in New Mexico State uh, back in September early September final score of that game Jack was 33 to 17 but this this is a team. These are the real Aggies of uh, of the Southwest here in New Mexico State. They entered this game winners of their last nine games. Nine straight, straight up, and nine straight ATS, where four of their last five games, they've been underdogs. And in one of those, they beat Auburn while being 25.5 
point underdogs. They beat Auburn 31 to 10. That's fucking insane. But I think that in order for New Mexico State to cover that 10 and a half, all they really have to do is keep up. I think the the quarterback, he's dual threat out of New Mexico State. His name is Diego Pavia. I think he does enough to keep it close. Um, I, th- I think that this will just be uh, a game that you throw on from a number standpoint. And maybe you watch it, maybe you don't. It's a nice little warm-up for an hour before Get Oregon warm. Washington on Friday. Get warm. Get warm. That's, uh, that is your pregame for the real game. Another one, though, Jack – I got uh, two more. I got two more for you. Uh, App State taking on Troy. Uh, Troy favored by uh, six. Total in this game, Jack, is at 52 and a half. I think there's two plays that I would be willing to make in this game. I might make both of them, but I'm for sure taking one of them. Uh, The the first of these plays, though, uh, is fairly simple. Uh, it's just App State. We're, we're, we're taking the plus six, uh, and, and I'll tell you why. The the money differential that's coming on this one, 82% of the money. That's a lot. That's a lot. And uh, the public has gotten significantly better at uh, betting yeah. over the past few years. Fading the public doesn't work the same way it used to, especially when it's backed by sharp movement. We only have one sharp movement right now for that line. However, the other play and the one that I think I am for sure going to take and lock in is a a classic App State play for both of us, which is the over, Jack. Uh, There's been four sharp movements, and we also have a model projection putting this one closer to 56. It's currently at that 52 and a half. I think we go ahead and we we just punch the over. We feel good about ourselves. Uh, once again, this game going to be uh, Saturday afternoon home game for Troy. But that's okay. App State's ready. Final game, though, Jack, that I do want to touch on briefly. Uh, we're 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 firing this one on all cylinders at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday afternoon in Vegas. Talking. Talking those running Rebs out of UNLV, uh, taking on and hosting Boise State. And uh, shout out to the Mountain West. They don't get enough love. I don't know if they really deserve it, but I'll give it to them. I think they do. A lot of love going towards Boise State being two and a half point favorites on the road in this one. I don't really know how to feel about that nor do i give a shit because i'm pretty busy looking at the total uh this is gonna be a high scoring game total right now is at 59 jack that is with already two different sharp movements and uh you're looking at about 92 percent of the money coming in on the over and that's Still at a positive differential from the bet percentage. Granted, I'm not typically looking at bet percentage too much, but if you have a positive differential that's backed by sharp movement, I'm a fan. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take that one as well. Give me uh, over. You can actually get 
uh, not 59. You can actually get the over of 58 and a half currently. And I believe, you know, no, no free ads and uh, all of that bullshit, but FanDuel is where you can currently get did you, uh, the best line for the open. Man, did you forget to read Arthur Duluth ad, or am I tripping? I did forget to read it. Well, I can go ahead and do that now. They're uh, you know, a big sponsor of the program. It's been, been huge for us this year. Go ahead and tell the people a little bit about Duluth Trading Company. Uh, great products made by great people. Uh, in fact, you know, Bon Jovi. Big Duluth Trading Company supporter uh, on a steel horse. He rides. Uh, catch why don't you go ahead. Here at Duluth Trading Company, the whaleback waterproof jacket is the protection that you'll need when it's colder than hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. Last winter, it froze over, setting a wind chill record of minus 27 degrees Fahrenheit. And there's no better way to stay warm than our improved whaleback waterproof jacket. Named for the whaleback steamers that want shoulder-to-side wind, sleet, and snow on the Great Lakes, this jacket is tough enough for any job without sacrificing the mobility that you need. So, once again, thank you to the good folks over at Duluth Trading Company. Um, and also a quick shout out to uh, the newest sponsor of uh, not just Rent Money, but the Pop-Off Podcast Network, Hidsips. Pretty interesting shit they got going over there. Jack, you, uh, have you taken a, a second to look at their product yet? You know what? I'm literally the target market for their product. I'm somebody that likes to maybe enjoy myself uh with a, a a nice book a page turner in bed you know before i go to sleep get all cuddled up especially in the winter time and, and nothing feels better than just putting that bed down and laying your head head on your pillow and just going to sleep right but you know what else is important to me hydrating staying hydrated uh you don't want to get up and out of your bed go to the kitchen uh you know maybe your bathroom and and fill up some water right you want that to be readily available, handy, right next to you. Well, this is a company here that, that thought about that problem and said, you know, let's let's do both. They're going to provide you with a night lamp right next to your bed that's also going to be able to refill your water with filtered cool water. Uh, honestly, just an ingenious uh, invention. And we're fully supporters here. Uh, Adam, why don't you tell them, as someone that's used the product, how it's changed your life? Jack, I don't have to worry about getting up in the middle of the night, tripping, falling over, unless I have to piss from how much fucking water I'm drinking out of my head sips lamp. This thing, it's bright, it's powerful, but then uh, you know what else it is? It, it's really nice to have at like a, a bedside table or a desk where you may be working, work from home situation. I know a lot of folks going back into the office, but some of us. Some of us enjoy uh, the remote side of the, the world. So this could be a great addition to your desk, not needing to get up and refill your mm -hmm. water constantly throughout the day. It is right there for you. It's ready to go. Also, if you have a grandparent, uh, an elderly person, a geriatric fuck, if you will, uh, in your life that you care about and you know that they're struggling to get out of bed in the middle of the night, this is a great gift for them. 
uh, any folks that may be in a nursing home, any folks that may, you know, have uh, assisted living. Uh, this is just going to help out some of the workers in those buildings. It's going to make sure that these folks are set up and ready to go in the middle of the night or, you know, maybe when they're reading their book. You don't need to get up. Stay put. Fill your water up while you're laying in bed. Feel good about yourself. Feel hydrated. Head sips. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, let's do it. Army, Navy, these guys stay hydrated. They have to, right, to be at the top of their game. This is all you again, Adam. This is, you know what? You give Adam Capsh group of five games, Army, Navy. Nobody can pontificate more than this man. Uh, there's a reason we call him the muscle. Uh, there's a reason he's old Chisholm. He's a cowboy. I tell you guys what. Uh, let's go and use a sample size of 53 because that's the number that I got. Uh, 53 straight service academy games over versus under what do you think that the record is over versus under the last 53 37 and 16 how about 44 and 9 jesus in favor of the under not to mention that this rivalry in particular up until last year was on a 16 game streak for hitting the under last year. Fucked that one up for us. We're getting back on track this year, folks. Don't even look at what the number is. It's 32 and a half, by the way. Don't even look at what the number is. Just throw the under. Feel good about yourself. Feel good about your country. Write some letters. Send them over to the fucking Corngall Valley or wherever the fuck we're stationed at in the Middle East now. Show them some love. Show the veterans some love. I know that we're just a few weeks out uh, from Veterans Day. Hope that everybody got the opportunity to watch Band of Brothers, The Pacific, Saving Private Ryan, uh, When Trumpets Fade, We Were Soldiers, The Patriot, um, Hurt Locker, Spartacus, Restrepo, Spartacus. Let's let's stick with American War films for the moment. Um, we'll get to 300 and, and Gladiator momentarily, but... I mean, fuck me. I love this country so much, dude. One of the reasons why we're a modern-day Sparta, baby. We don't know shit about fuck unless fuck is exactly that. Or it's warfare, and we're real good at that. Uh, Not against uh, rogue guerrilla groups, which is kind of ironic because that's how we were founded uh, as a country. But if you're a country, if you have a flag, if you have any form of government, we will fuck your shit up. And that's exactly what they're going to prove is uh, who gets to who gets to duke it out first, right? If Russia comes knocking, who are we sending first, Navy or Army? Honestly, I think that's how battles should be decided is uh, have, have their service academies play football games against each other. Whoever wins, you get to you know, go. There's one thing this country's good at, you know, warfare, but there's something we're even better at, and that's – Good old American football. Uh, you look around the world, yeah. nobody can and, come close. And to hear me out, Jack. But well, you know, hey, we of every twenty twenty four of every and let's look at all blue chip recruits. I will say, uh, when do we put our foot down, Adam? On what? Are we just going to let Australians take over? Uh, a whole position in our game of football. 
They're taking over the punting position one by one, sending over their 25-year-old males to just come and unleash unleash on the ball with their, their golden right legs. Uh, maybe doing a little bit of rugby-style rollouts, some goofy back kicks, some goofy spin. People can't feel them anymore. Are we just going to sit idle and, and let this happen? Or do we need to get more kids uh, under the weight of 170 that like to play soccer involved in the sport of football? I think we just need to, instead of soccer, it's really not soccer. It's rugby. Yeah, we we need to make rugby. It's really Australian football, which is even different from rugby in its own way. Do we start an Australian football league just with the sole purpose of farming more punters, American punters? The rent money. (laughs) That'd be so backwards. It's like, we're going to play a bunch of your sport to show you that we can also do this at our sport. But it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. it's kind of like a mix of soccer and football and rugby. It's it's incredible. But I digress. I'm telling you what, though, dude. I I'm looking right now just to just to fact check myself. Right of of the hundred blue chip recruits, the top one hundreds throughout the world. Truthfully, <laughs> the United States has one hundred of There's them, a single and Canadian? the rest of the world has zero. Uh, there's thirty two total five-star recruits as of right now, according to uh, top 24-7 sports. Uh, zero of them are in Australia. Zero are Canadian. Uh, they are quite literally all... Warm-blooded Americans. Most of them are either in Florida. They're either in Florida, Georgia. Ohio. There's one in Missouri, two in Ohio. Missouri. Uh I'm not seeing Ohio uh, yet. A lot of Texas, Texas. couple of Chicago, yeah. St. Ignatius. Shout out to Justin Scott. He just uh, switched up, actually. Uh, he was originally committed uh, to Ohio State, switched up, and he's now going to be at Miami. Do you uh, got an Alabama, couple of Californias, one Arizona? <laughs> this These is radio fucking B. kids play. I mean, they're playing. That football. is radio. Next, Adam, what was your favorite moment of the college football season so far? So far, you want to go first? I got to think. Nope, I don't. Honestly, the Iowa Nebraska game was kind of like the crescendo of what Iowa football had been all year long. And it finally just like manifested itself into one game where both teams just said, we're committed to doing this. And that was just a hoot, a straight riot. Um, the Northwestern game was close in terms of, you know, presenting that on the field, but the, the Iowa Nebraska game is just put it in the Louvre. I think an honorable mention for me, Jack, is, and this is crazy. It feels like a lifetime ago now, but this was this college football season. The immediate rise and fall of Colorado football. Uh, A team coming into this year with a win total of three and a half. Over hit. Right. They hit one, four games. The over hit. Yep. Um, they jumped into the top 25 for a brief moment in time. 
uh, almost got an upset win against USC. Um, gained and lost more recruits than probably any any team. They're like the fantasy football owner that can't decide who he does and does not want. Just got like a hundred something transactions. It's like maybe do something else when you're taking a shit, mm-hmm. you know. But I think my go-to, my absolute favorite, and and this is kind of kind of weird that this is a favorite, but Jimbo Fisher getting fired oh, a. from Texas A&M. Yes, but yes, this was on the docket. What is going on down in College Station? How do the people feel? Are they excited about Elko? He did the dance. Dude. You know, he had the family out there doing all the cult shit. He's bought in. Yeah. I'm all in on Elko personally, but I think there's two things that I want to talk about specifically with Jimbo. The first one is that when he got hired and they brought him in, they gave him uh, a gift. And not just any gift. It was uh it was a plaque saying coach Jimbo Fisher in the Texas A&M Aggies national champions blank year. They said, all right, we'll give this to you now because we know we got one coming. What? Fast. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. It's there's video footage. And it's like doing a gender review and then trying to consummate after. Yes. Yes, it is at an abortion. Right. That's what. Yeah. Um, so there's there's the first one. The second one though, <laughs> um, is immediate, like the very next yeah, game. It's like eating a burrito after and he gets fired. Your chips and salsa after. Moose Muhammad, uh, he's a skill player for Texas A and M. He just fucking went off. Uh, he had a couple of touchdowns, over 100 yards, uh, maybe over 200. I can't even remember. But they're like, what happened out there? And he's like, well, I, I got to wear sleeves. Coach Jimbo never let me wear sleeves on the field. <laughs> he said it uh, wasn't, wasn't code or some shit. That was the point of contention for Jimbo in the locker room was get your fucking sleeves I like off, that, right? though. No it wasn't. Around here. Yeah, but it's the baggy ones that are cool. They're trendy okay. now. Um, so there's that. But the, the final thing I'll say, too, is obviously, you know, Jimbo's fired. It's like a $76 million buyout or something like that. And they're like, you know, this is, where the hell are we going to get that money? Um, similar to the the Moose Muhammad story, they they did this whole this whole ordeal in College Station after, after the game or at halftime or something. And they were like, all right, want to give a special shout out to all of our alumni and our Aggie boosters for helping us to raise like 200 or 300 million dollars or something like that for the program and I was like well there's not only your buyout but there's the next coach's buyout too after they run him the fuck out of town I think Elko's made for College Station I think he's he's built for that just based on his previous time there and the defense that they had under him I cannot wait to see what he produces in the next few years but this is a team that's uh, – they're going to need a few transfer portal additions on offense. They already lost Max Johnson in North Carolina. Um, we'll see the what they can do. But, yeah, holy fuck. Shout out like the David Tepper of college football. Just 
yep. delusion, uh, paying three coaches at once, uh, willing to buy out of anything just to buy out of the next guy. Uh, I don't think that Elko has the charisma. He's just you don't think he's just too fat and plain. Jimbo had like the greasiness that I kind of think you associate with him, like and the delusion of like we're going to be a championship team in three years when Texas A&M hasn't done shit in their entire career. They were nothing in the Big 12. Move the SEC, get one Heisman guy and think that they can just compete. Like, they're going to be Texas' little brother. Texas is going to move into the SEC and then even take even more of their lunch. Um, I hate A&M. They're full, of, they're full of shit. What a bunch of crap those guys are. Going out 12th man, yell leaders. I hate everything about them. Yeah. I'll give you that. I, I won't argue against any of it. No, but they, I, will I know say, they've carved out a soft spot in your heart this year, Adam, and that's why I'm 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 intrigued, you know. Uh you know, hate it's good hate people me, down there, man. Uh or love me. You you damn sure watched me, right? Who do you think you are? I am. Hell, been a great season. Uh, been a lot of fun. We're going to be coming back for bowl season. I should have done this off the rip, but we're back with the bowl bonanza. We're going to be doing bowl pickums. Uh, we'll be sending out a link to you know everybody in our social circle. Uh, we'll put something out on the Instagram as well. Uh, Maybe the Twitter, the Twitter, whatever. Uh, wherever you want to see it, you, we'll make sure it's findable. We'll be doing a bowl pickum. Uh, last year, I believe the winner had an appearance on this show. Uh, this year, we're going to be you know, doing money, um, an appearance if they want to, or maybe they could write up some mailbags. I don't know, shit, whatever they want to do. I saw that Rob McElhinney, and um, gosh, I can't believe I'm – what's D's name? I have no clue. Um, oh, my gosh, because they're married in real life. Caitlin Olson. Yep. Uh, they recently, you know, bidded a hundred thousand dollars for a Kelly Green Eagles jersey, you know, signed or wore by uh, Jason Kelsey's wife, Kylie. Uh, they were bidding against each other. Uh, funny enough, funny story there, and got a, you know an appearance on the New Heights podcast. And not, I'm not saying that we're comparable to the New Heights podcast, uh, but if you win this. This bull pick them. You can come and appear on the on the show if you would like, if you should choose to. And it's not going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars. It's going to cost you just a, a small little entry fee uh, to compete with your friends and, and enjoy and have a little rooting interest in, in all the bowl games that we're going to be having this year. Uh, so we'll be back with you know more episodes uh, as we get into bowl season, college football playoff season. Shit, sometimes maybe we'll just have an episode and and chop it up for thirty minutes. Hell, I don't know. We're we're going to keep it rolling here though. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, go check out the Pop Off Podcast Network, all the things that are coming out of there. The Microwave College Basketball. Uh, that's, yeah, all good stuff. But but before we go, there's one thing that I think everybody listening should know. Folks, get the fuck out of here. And go ahead and tell your bookies that we say hi. Silence your cell phones now. <laughs>